1: And the show, for fans who know what happened, they want to know why and how. It is Crossover Wednesday. Luke Braun-Jones, the show, the host of Locked on Vikings, to get into this rivalry week. The Packers coming in 1-0, the Vikings coming in 1-0. Early in this season, you understand that this is an important game. Green Bay getting home games against NFC North opponents means... If it's not a must-win, it's as close as you can get in Week 2. Not because they need the momentum, but because you have to defend home field. That's just the reality of the situation when you're fighting for a playoff spot in what is going to be a loaded NFC North. The Bears, the Packers, the Vikings, they are all going to be in that 8, 9, 10 win, maybe 11 win range. And that means you're going to be vying with these teams for playoff spots. Now... I went back and watched Vikings, Falcons in week one, and I came away a little bit less impressed with the Vikings than I did watching the game live. 28-12, I felt like didn't tell the story of the game live. It was clear the Falcons were shooting themselves in the foot over and over and over. I mean, Matt Ryan, two bonehead interceptions, just straight up bad plays, plays that you certainly would not expect Aaron Rodgers to make. There was a fumble inside the 25-yard line line in plus territory for the Falcons. I mean, they made a number of trips into Vikings territory and just couldn't do anything with it. You have two turnovers, not just in plus territory, but inside the 25-yard line in scoring territory, and the the end zone interception that Matt Ryan threw at the three-yard line is as inexcusable a play as you can have. Outside of... The four times the Falcons turned the ball over. Two interceptions, a fumble, and a punt block. Two of which resulted in short fields. The other two, I guess you could just say change of possessions, but they're stolen possessions. Those four plays ended in touchdowns for the Vikings. The other times that the Vikings had the ball, they were not able to do much with it. Here's their play chart on possessions not following a turnover. Seven plays, 24 yards punt. Three plays, no yards, punt. Six plays, 23 yards, punt. Three plays, four yards, punt. Six plays, five yards, punt. Two plays, minus two. Those are kneel downs. It was the turnovers that doomed the Falcons. And if you're the Packers at home against a defense that isn't quite as good as the Chicago Bears in a game where you didn't turn the ball over, you shouldn't expect the Packers to turn the ball over at a significantly higher rate. And then you say, okay, the box score says Dalvin Cook was awesome. And Dalvin Cook was pretty good. But Dalvin Cook also got the majority of his yards in four or five carries. He was a chunk play runner. And it was because of poor edges set by the soft play of the Atlanta Falcons. They have undersized edge players. Well, you look at Zadarius Smith and Preston Smith and Rashawn Gary. Those guys are dudes. They are big Men, They are powerful, run-defending men. Rashawn Gary, for whatever questions you have about his ability to rush the passer, two pressures in six snaps in week one, by the way, he is an outstanding run defender. Kyler Fackrell is the weak point, but he's only going to be on the field, you would guess, in some obvious passing situations. Darius Smith and Preston Smith played most of the snaps in week one, the vast majority of them, in fact. With extra rest, you would expect them to be able to do that again. So Green Bay should be able to do the things the Atlanta Falcons were unable to do while also taking advantage of some of the things that the Falcons were able to take advantage of, and that is a soft offensive line along the interior in particular for the Minnesota Vikings. And then they were also able to get after the middle of the field with some consistency, whether it was with receivers, whether it was crossing routes, whether it was play-action. The Packers' ability to attack the middle of the field, something they were unable to do against Chicago, is going to go a long way in determining their success in this game. The good news for Green Bay is, outside of Xavier Rhodes, Minnesota does not have another cornerback they feel great about. Trey Waynes is the other guy, but the nickelback is hurt. Mackenzie Alexander dislocated his elbow, won't need surgery, but he's not going to play in this game. They're not sure if Mike Hughes is going to play in this game. So That leaves a lot of questions about who their third cornerback is. Buster Screen for the Bears played extremely well, in a surprise to certainly me. So I think this is a clear advantage that Green Bay has. They should be able to attack that more effectively and stymie the Vikings in a way Atlanta simply wasn't. Before we get to the Crossover Wednesday part of the show, I want to talk about Peloton. Can't find a workout that keeps you engaged? Peloton is an immersive cardio experience with real-time features that will always keep you coming back. Get $100 off accessories when you purchase the Peloton bike and get a great cardio workout at home. Go to Peloton.com and use promo code LOCKEDON to get started. And speaking of taking a ride, let's talk about BlueChew.com. If you need a little boost in the bedroom, if you need... Just a little extra confidence, that little performance boost. Performance enhancers, big in biking too, by the way. (laughs) BlueChew.com, that's blue like the color blue. Blue BlueChew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis. So, you know they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever an opportunity arises. Remember, this isn't just for guys who can't perform, it's for any guy who wants extra function to enhance their performance in the bedroom. Blue Shoe is prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package. No in person doctor visits, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. Right now we've got a special deal for our listeners. Go to bluechew.com and get your first shipment free when you use our special promo code locked on. Just pay five dollars shipping. Again, that's bluechew.com promo code locked on to try it free.
0: Hey, listen up, FanDuel Fantasy Players. Your day is about to get twenty percent better.
1: All right, it is time for Crossover Wednesday. Luke Braun, the host of Locked on Vikings. You can follow him on Twitter at Luke Braun NFL. If you want to listen to Locked on Vikings, you're always welcome to anywhere you can find podcasts. Luke, let's dive right in here off the top. You know, I watched that game, and they still can get after the quarterback, no question about it. And they're still aggressive. They're a ball-hawking team. They had the three turnovers plus the punt block. But defensively, I felt like early on, at least there were there were some drives that that they let Atlanta move the ball. Atlanta's a really good offense. They had a plan for Julio Jones. But it seemed clear to me anyway that Minnesota is sort of a tick below Chicago as a defense. From your perspective, especially now with the injuries in the secondary, where is this Minnesota defense to you?
2: Yeah, I I think the whole league's a tick below Chicago, right? I mean, they were like the juggernaut of juggernauts (laughs) last year. And it seems like even though they lost Fangio and all that, they didn't take that much of a step back. But I think, I mean, the Vikings, the whole narrative around the Vikings, at least nationwide, I thought was really weird. It was all about how like, oh, the Vikings defense is like old now, but they're all like 29. Like they're a year off of technically their prime. So I always thought it was weird that people would say that they would slow down. Uh, Xavier Rhodes was step-for-step step with Julio Jones every time he was assigned to Julio Jones. He shadowed Julio mm-hmm. most of the game, although sometimes they were in zone coverages, uh, and then they would like move Julio uh, uh, like into the slot or whatever, get him on a linebacker, and that's where a lot of his targets came. Um, but they basically shut down Julio Jones. Everson Griffin is back to his 2017 form. Uh, that was pretty obvious at the outset of camp and through the preseason and stuff uh he was just like wrecking riley reef like every single play and riley reef is no slouch of a tackle i don't i think he's like an average starting nfl tackle and everson griffin was just like making mincemeat of him day in and day out and of course you know daniel <laughs> hunter is a wrecking ball so i i think yep. that like the pieces on this defense that have like been together so much and the, the communication is there um unfortunately mackenzie alexander uh dislocated his elbow they're It came out actually today that, uh, as we're recording this today, that he won't need surgery, but he'll still be out like probably four-ish weeks. So uh, the Vikings basically just have to hope that like Mike Hughes comes back, which he's, I would guess, like questionable for this game. Otherwise, it's going to be J. Ron Curse in the slot, and that might be a place where, you know, you could get like Devontae Adams on J. Ron Curse, and that might be the best shot for Devontae Adams to do something. Otherwise, you have the Devontae Adams versus Xavier Rhodes thing. Those two yeah, guys I mean, have a if- ton of respect for each other, and it's always a fun matchup. But I know that Devontae Adams moves into the slot sometimes and can really, like, eat there. And I, I if I recall, uh, last year when the Packers played the Vikings, that's how they chose to use Devontae Adams, was, like, move him into the slot and get him going against, it was Mackenzie Alexander and Mike Hughes at the time. It might be Jaron on curse now because they're dealing with some injuries. Um, but I think like overall, the pieces on the defense are the same pieces that everybody is familiar with. Harrison Smith was awesome. Anthony Harris is uh, an upgrade over Andrew Sandejo, which is kind of awesome because Sandejo is pretty good. Uh, Anthony Barr is incredibly disruptive and underrated in coverage. Eric Kendricks is really solid. Even Ben Gideon had a really nice day uh, against Atlanta, and he's been, you know, up and down. But as a run defender, I think he's pretty consistent. So the uh, the real weak spot, I think, outside of like the nickel corner situation, is Shamar Steffen at three technique. Huge downgrade from Sheldon Richardson. And you know, I saw in the. Packers game against Chicago I mean Akeem Hicks and uh oh, I can't remember his name but they're they're like backup defensive tackle who had a big get, big day we're really like we're feasting Robertson on that Harris. interior line of, like, of the Packers and I am definitely concerned that like Shamar Stefan won't be able to take advantage of that spot in the same way
1: yeah and and on the other side of the ball it was a weird game because you score 28 points and You expect your quarterback to throw more than 10 times in the NFL, but that was not the case. Uh, The the Vikings were able to score off turnovers. In fact, all four touchdowns came on drives immediately preceding giveaways by Atlanta. So, I mean, I, I don't think anyone expects them to try and win games consistently like that. But how far afield do you think this is from the way that Mike Zimmer would ideally like to play? Or or is the way Mike Zimmer would ideally like to play what we saw last Sunday and and they're gonna have to, you know, modulate that a little bit if they wanna beat, you know, other teams in the league on a consistent basis.
2: Uh the the beat reporters actually asked that same question to Mike Zimmer after the game. They were like, So, you know, that was your like ideal football win, right? And he was like, Well, yeah. no, obviously that was insane. You know, they got like two turnovers right away and went up 14 nothing. They went into I mean, it was the third quarter and it was twenty eight zero. Of course, we didn't pass. Right. It was twenty eight zero midway through the third. Um, and
1: it did feel like a Mike Zimmer fever dream, though.
2: It was probably yeah, it was a fever dream. But even he was like, yeah, of course, that's not sustainable. Uh, you know, I'm paraphrasing, but he basically said that, like, yeah, I'm not going to apologize for approaching the game the way we did because, you know, the card's happened to fall in a way that you know made that advantageous but I think he understands that like that he's not going to be I I don't think the Vikings are going to be running three times as much as they pass uh once we get to season's end I don't think we'll see I'd be very very surprised to see that um and I actually think a lot of the Vikings pass concepts that they used in training camp and in the preseason didn't show up in this game because I think, you know, it was just so quickly that they, like, didn't have to. We saw a whole bunch of the zone run scheme stuff. I talked about it on Locked on Vikings yesterday and, like, superly in-depth. Um, but the, the passing concepts, they use a ton of, like, under-center play action and bootlegs and rollouts and stuff that... Uh, the Vikings barely used against Atlanta because again, you know, 10 passes and that and moving pockets and stuff. Those are ways that, you know, they, they have been practicing to help mitigate some of the issues on the interior offensive line. Uh, though I do think that the tackles Riley Reef and Brian O'Neill, um, I'm pretty sure they didn't give up any pressure against Tack McKinley and whoever the other edge rusher is in Atlanta. And uh, they're both like pretty solid players. So I'm actually really curious to see how they hold up against Darius Smith and and Preston Smith on the edges there. Definitely different styles of rushers, you know, those three four outside linebacker types versus the four three you know Tack McKinley defensive ends. Um, so I, I'm very and, and definitely an upgrade over what they had to face in Atlanta. So I'm, I I think that that's like a key matchup here. Um, but I I also think that a lot of the scheme stuff that Kevin Stefanski's cooked up and Kubiak to a lesser degree I think he's more focused on the run game. Uh, you know, that will do a lot to mitigate the pressure issues that will probably come from that like retooled Green Bay front.
1: Yeah. And and speaking of, of blocking, you know, even even on those those 10 snaps, it seemed like Atlanta was still able to create pressure, whether it was Grady Jarrett or or some of those guys on the edge on some twists. Um, they were able to get they were able to get home on a on a blitz and, and create pressure in Kirk Cousins face. You know, this was a team in Green Bay last week who absolutely took it to Mitch Trubisky, who had, he had no idea where the pressure was coming from. They'd they'd show six, they'd show seven, and they'd bring four or they'd bring five. Uh, Lauren Cox, who hosts Locked on Bears, tweeted out a, a video of the Packers showing, I think it was six and only bringing three, but they got home because it confused the Bears offensive line and Mitch Trubisky. They didn't know where the pressure was coming from. When you look at this Vikings offensive line, and after you what you saw in week one, obviously they made the upgrades in the offseason. At least they hope what are upgrades. How do you see this matchup with Green Bay's front? Because it seems like, as you said, there there is a deeper group of guys who can get after the quarterback. And in all likelihood, they're not going to be able to only throw 10 times and win on Sunday.
2: Yeah, it's definitely um, going to be an issue on the interior, I think, throughout the whole season for the Vikings. Um, so, yeah, I'm uh, if you're doing a uh, defensive player daily fantasy, Kenny Clark should be your guy. Uh, I, I think that he's going to be like a player to watch throughout this. And then the two Smiths on the outside versus the tackles, I think, is an interesting matchup. But I think that is more likely to be like a, a stalemate uh, than the interior where I think the Packers have a huge advantage Um but I guess, you know, the the line like Bradbury had a really tough game against Grady Jarrett and he struggled a bit in a preseason, too. I think he's just having rookie struggles, but none of it really like concerns me long term. And I've talked about it a ton on On Vikings. Pat Elfline, on the other hand, uh, I think he's just bad and the Vikings will probably move on from him after this year. Uh, but hopefully I'm wrong. Maybe he'll he'll pick it up. Uh, he hasn't played guard in three years. So maybe it's a learning curve or something like that. But, you know, his strength issues and then just being, you know, out agility by Grady Jarrett all that time. It's just kind of been one ugly thing after another with him. So, you know, if, if I'm Mike Pettin, that's where I'm attacking, that, you know, left guard-center uh, combo. And uh, But Josh Klein on the interior has actually been a, a really nice addition. So it's really those two guys are the weak spots, which is better than offensive lines for the Vikings have been in the last couple of years, but it's still, like, an issue. Uh, and I think that Kirk Cousins and, like, messed up a protection, I think that was the, the play from the Atlanta game that looked like it was a fumble and then got challenged and overturned into an incomplete pass. Uh, I think that it was a misdiagnosed, like the, the Falcons just disguised a blitz and Kirk Cousins or, or Bradbury, whoever's responsible for that, didn't pick it up and diagnose it. The guy came off the edge completely unblocked and, and ruined the play. Um, that kind of thing was a horrible problem in 2018. We've seen a little less of it now. Uh, But yeah, this is going to be kind of week one for the passing game, I guess. So there's a lot that I'm just kind of like extrapolating based off a small sample and and could be like totally wrong about a bunch of this.
1: All right, we're going to get back to Crossover Wednesday in just a second. But before we do, let's talk about my bookie. If you found $100 on the street, would you pick it up or keep walking? Of course, you'd take the money. So why do you keep picking winners and not betting on them? I get... Picks from fans on Twitter all the time. In fact, my Twitter audience picked the Packers over the Bears. Even though the Bears were the favorite, I picked the Bears. So go to my bookie, put some money on the game, and turn your hunch into some cash in your pocket. They have live in-game betting, the best player perks in the business, and right now... They will double your first deposit with the promo code locked on. That's right. Go to mybookie.ag, enter the promo code locked on to activate this double up deposit bonus offer at MyBookie. You play, you win, you get paid. Listen up, Packer fans. Here is your opportunity to win free tickets to the Bears Packers game week 15. This game could be for the division, and Brewtown Trading Co. wants to send you and a buddy. For free, Brewtown is your number one destination in Wisconsin for buying, selling, and trading sports cards and memorabilia. Here is how to enter. You can go to Brewtown's store on 76th and Cold Spring, just off 894 in Greenfield to receive five entries to win when you mention Locked on Packers. While you're there, check out the shop. They're always stocked with the hottest releases of wax from Tops, Panini, and Upper Deck. Plus, they're always interested in your unwanted sports cards and memorabilia. They're always having events. So follow their social accounts for the latest schedule. Use the Locked On Packers hashtag on the Brewtown Facebook page or on Twitter for another free entry to win tickets. Not local? Check out their live breaks on Facebook or have them ship product directly to your house. Again, Brewtown Trading Co. located just off 894 at 76th and Cold Spring in Greenfield. And on Facebook and Twitter, Brewtown, home of the hobby's biggest hits. David Harrison here, the Locked on Washington football team podcast, celebrating with you a 21-grain salute to a less boring sandwich thanks to Dave's killer one organic bread for a reason. It tastes so stinking good. Dave's Killer Bread is made with the highest quality organic and non-GMO ingredients and is power packed with whole grains, fiber, and protein. Visit Dave's KillerBread.com to learn more and look for Dave's Killer Bread in the bread aisle of your local grocery store. Yeah, I think the thing that you wouldn't be wrong about if you were to say is that Dalvin Cook is a star. And this is the perfect offense for him. It mirrors much more what he did at Florida State, what he's been really good at. Uh, Garrett Bradbury was someone who played in that zone offense uh, in college as well. Through one week, I mean, I know you go back and look at previous Dalvin Cook seasons. It's the same thing early in the year, and then he has the injuries. But this sure looks like the best version of Cook that we've seen with the balance, the explosiveness, the burst it seems like the the way to slow down the Minnesota offense is going to be to try and contain Dalvin Cook. And and we still haven't seen the counter, which is Stephon Diggs, Adam Thielen, Rudolph Cook in a passing game. I mean, the Kirk Cousins threw him the ball a couple times in the passing game as well. Dalvin Cook is the engine that makes this offense go, isn't he?
2: I guess he was in the Atlanta game. Uh, you know, obviously you can't like build a whole offense based on just that. You do need something from Diggs and Thielen and Rudolph and Cousins and that whole thing, which basically just stayed in the tool shed uh, uh, this past Sunday. Um, But, yeah, the the zone scheme as Kubiak has drawn it up, I mean, obviously that's a scheme that's been in the league for 20 years. It's tried and true and proven. Uh, There were even a whole bunch of former Kubiak players tweeting during that game like, ah, that's classic Kubiak stuff when, you know, as Dalvin Cook was going off. Um, But he's just he's one of the smartest. And by the way, the the Packers run
1: game is also built on the Kubiak scheme. I mean, he learned that he was the one who got his first job in in the NFL was with Gary Kubiak. So the Packers offense does not look in the run game in particular dissimilar from what Gary Kubiak would ideally want to be running.
2: And that's a good fit for uh, for Aaron Jones. But yeah, he's he's a perfect fit for it. He's a very smart runner. He makes the right read pretty much every time. Alexander Madison, for a rookie, is making the right reads too, which is awesome as a kind of rotational guy. Uh, But, yeah, Dalvin Cooks, and, like, his speed, his burst um, is all, like, on display. But mostly I think it's because he's a cerebral runner, and he's very good at not only identifying the hole, but identifying, like, exactly, like, spatially where he needs to be to make his offensive line's job easier, Um, you know, Things like being able to just, like, read and diagnose really quickly, like, did that guy make the reach block and, and you know, where does my run go based on that? Uh, and, and just kind of, you know, luring defenders just a little bit out of position so that he can then cut back and make the blocker, you know, be more in the way than the blocker maybe was. Um, but they've also gotten really good blocking out of their kind of tertiary blockers like tight ends and C.J. Ham the fullback, that, that mattered a ton, too. So the run game looked really formidable. Uh, And I'm sure that that's what the Packers are going to spend a whole bunch of time in the film room, like diagnosing.
1: Is there someone, I guess, as I was looking at it, I think the player that stood out to me more than I thought he would was Anthony Harris. So, you know, I was going to ask you if there's a player that the Packer fans should know that they might not. I think that is probably the name I was I would have hoped you would say and, and explain a little bit. So I'm just going to ask you outright. Uh, can you can you talk to me a little bit about him, his journey, and and all of a sudden he you know explodes onto the scene. Two picks in week one against Matt Ryan, the second of which, by the way, was an atrocity. I mean that was just inexcusable by Matt Ryan. Uh
2: yeah. So Anthony Harris was uh, an undrafted free agent in 2015. He was kind of a, a practice squad guy um and then he was he made the active roster I think like the next year and last year was when he really broke out so he went undrafted mainly because of size he was just too small and wiry he was seen as kind of only a center fielder free safety type that was very good he was ball hawking he was rangy he was very smart uh but you know he just didn't have the size to be like adequate in run support so he took a while to kind of develop that. He took like three years to put on a bunch of weight. And then last year, uh, Andrew Sandejo gets hurt and Anthony Harris comes in. He had come in for spot duty uh, when when Harris or Harrison Smith or when Sandejo or Harrison Smith was hurt. He would come in in spot duty and play pretty well. So people were a little familiar uh, as him as like a solid backup. But he came in in the back half of 2018 and played at a just like unreal level. Like he was like one of the top three safeties in the league over that last year eight game stretch in pretty much any objective measure that you have for safeties, be it grades or production. He was just like a God. And so they let Anderson Deho go. He goes to the Eagles. They, uh, signed Anthony Harris to a restricted free agent tender and basically said, you know, all right, you're the starter now. And he comes out and does that in week one. So he's put on a whole bunch of weight. He's still the rangy smart ball hawking safety that, uh, that, you know, got the Vikings interested in him in the first place, but now he's actually big enough to be, to use those smarts and, and that, you know, ability to crash down to the ball and be like important in run support as well. He recovered the fumble too. He had, I think my favorite play of his was actually in the the 2017 uh, playoff game against the saints. He stopped a third and one rush that, that let the Vikings get the ball back for that last drive. Um, And and I think that that was kind of his coming out moment of like, I am a run support safety now. Uh, but he, yeah, he's, he's just like a really good safety now. And he kind of came out of nowhere, but he's also, he's been on the roster since 2015. So not, not to the Vikings, but to all of us.
1: All right. So let's get into the nitty gritty. Uh, let's, what are you thinking? It's, it's, was a a line that opened around Packers minus three. It was minus two and a half. Some places moved to three and a half. Uh, you'll have to, you'll have to check my bookie to see where it is right now. But from your standpoint, what do you see this Sunday?
2: So I, I kind of I guess I have to go with the Homer answer here. I think that for one I'm like pretty concerned about Aaron Rodgers because his accuracy on Thursday night is like that's not the first time he's been throwing like that, and I wonder if he's if he's even fully healthy or I mean this is like a trend that's been going on for a while now. So I, I am concerned about him, uh, and that gives me a little bit more confidence going into this one. I think the offensive line is going to do better than everyone expects, just because I think the the outside guys are really coming together nicely uh and I can really foresee this defense you know finding ways to take to get rid of Devontae Adams and and I don't really know you know who ends up taking over the game from there you know so I I'll I'll put it this way I think the Vikings cover for some of my bookie advice
1: all right Uh, I'm into that I I think you you didn't ask me but I'll offer my my take on this um (laughs) yeah I uh it's one of those things where I expect the Packers offense to be better. I don't know how much better. And so you look at last year and and what Green Bay was able to do week two last year. You know, that's that weird 29-29 tie. Can the Packers offense get to that point? Because we didn't, we didn't see any indication that it could, um, you know, in, in Thursday's game. But that was week one. It, it's the Bears. You know, maybe they're just knocking some rust off. And the Packers are notoriously slow starters and have been in the Aaron Rodgers era. I uh, I think if this game were in Minnesota I would have much bigger reservations about the offense and their ability to, to effectively mitigate whatever Minnesota is going to throw at them. I think this is a close game. Um, and I think I think Green Bay wins and I think it's something like 24-21, 24-20. I think that spread is pretty close to right on. I think it's going to be a close good game. I think I expect Aaron Rodgers to play better. Um, but I expect the defense to to struggle a little bit more against Kirk Cousins than they did against Mitch Trubisky because let's be honest, Mike Patton, I mean, he sewed a chicken suit around Mitch Trubisky and Matt Nagy. I mean, he absolutely outthought them at every turn. I, I don't expect him to do that to Kirk Cousins, right? And can throw them to the left. He can throw them to the left, which is you know its own right. There's right that there's that, and then the, the skill position players from Minnesota are just much better. Um, you know, I, I don't know if Diggs and Thielen individually are significantly better than Allen Robinson, but together they clearly are. And, and Cook is just better than anyone Chicago has. So, does the offensive line difference? I think Chicago's offensive line is 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 better than Minnesota's. How big a factor is that? I don't know, but I think it all evens out, and it, we give it we get a close game. The Packers at home with Aaron Rodgers get the advantage for me.
2: I kind of figured we'd both go the Homer route here, and I feel like that's the way it should be. <laughs>
1: Well, I did. I will say I picked the Bears last week, so uh, <laughs> I, I just felt like unless and until I saw the Packers beat the Bears, uh, they the Bears as the reigning champs deserve the the advantage. So I sort of feel like these two teams are, are pretty even. <laughs> I mean, it's hard not to given the way that defense plays. Yeah. All right. Well, the cool thing is uh, no matter what happens, we get to do this again. And uh, the one person will get to gloat about how the other person was wrong.
2: Can't wait to uh, bully you a little more.
1: sounds good man take care
2: thanks for hanging out Peter
1: all right I want to thank Luke again for joining the show always great to get a look inside and behind enemy lines Uh, we will go in depth tomorrow with the Vikings and the matchups and the scouting report I watched the coaches tape of uh, Vikings Falcons and as I said at the top came away a little less impressed a little less impressed with what the Vikings were able to do I think the score was misleading And I don't think the Packers are going to struggle in ways that Atlanta did. But per our conversation, Aaron Rodgers has to play better. And it was a little weird to see him struggle as badly as he did. Pro Football Focus rated him as the least accurate thrower in week one. Only 33% of his throws were graded as accurate. Now, I would quibble with some of that grading. I felt like, especially in the second half, that was a lot better. Uh, And after really the first two drives, it was better. Uh, the Bears defense played really well give them credit I thought the Bears were going to regress more than they did defensively and they may still it was week one against the team wanting a new offense with some new moving parts and I mean that both literally and figuratively so we'll see if Green Bay's offense can get better it is certainly not time to panic and I know there are some Packers fans out there panicking and, and you need to chill out a little bit to be honest so we'll be back tomorrow to do the scouting report and then our live show on Friday a video stream of Locked On Packers, the first of its kind. And the podcast will be out shortly thereafter to give you an update on the injury report. Not going to be a ton to talk about uh, for the Packers, at least hopefully right now. there There isn't a lot unless all of a sudden it's like Oren Burks is going to get cleared to play. The Packers are relatively healthy, and that's great news. So a short show is good for us. It's good for me. It's good for everyone who wants to get to happy hour. So God willing, uh, that'll be a short show. Uh, you can always follow me on Twitter, For all my takes there at peter underscore bukowski follow the podcast on twitter at locked on packers like us on facebook you can subscribe to the podcast on itunes on spotify on google podcasts wherever you find podcasts you will find locked on packers and although there may not be much to talk about injury wise i will still take your questions on friday so we'll still get some content out there and if you want to be a part of that show if you want to send in a question or a comment and i've gotten some really good ones this week already so send some more in You can do that on the Locked on Packers fan hotline, 920-341-3775 to stay Locked on Packers.